Last week we talked about fear. This week we're going to talk about frustration. And I hope you'll join us next week as we'll continue the conversation about how do we live out our faith in a real world and everyday situations is what we're experiencing now. Frustration. I mean, the last seven weeks we have been in this stay at home order in the state of Wisconsin. And again, I said it last week, I see people responding in fear or in frustration, typically one or maybe both. And um, this past week, we have seen frustration continue to rise in in the communities in which we live in. We've seen uh, rallies, we've seen protests, we've seen petitions, we've seen lawsuits. And and again, it's all completely understandable, right? Because there's a lot of real things that are happening. I mean, there there are life and death health situations at play. Uh, There are, are also employees that are furloughed or lost jobs. There are businesses that have been temporarily or maybe even permanently shut down. Uh, There have been money that's lost in unimaginable ways. And wow, gas with oil being like less than zero this week. I mean, gas is like, I saw 94 cents a gallon. Like that is crazy. I never thought in my lifetime we would ever see it at that place. And again, when does it end? How does it stop? And, and even just sometimes the, the ability to have to be flexible. One of the things that we're having to do is just be flexible and, and try to roll with things because it feels like every day there's a new twist or a turn or, or a pivot or this is happening or that's happening or what's going on. And so when does life get back to normal? And nobody really has conclusive answers. And it seems like every news outlet says something different and, it, and, and every commentator has a different comment. And it just the level of frustration just begins to rise. And, uh, and then you throw on kids being at home and, and mom and dad, husbands and wives both being home. Everybody's kind of working out of the home and, and there's really no other place to go. And it's just frustration, frustration, frustration. Well, as I got to thinking about that this week, I was thinking back to when I was a kid and uh, hopefully you'll find humor in this, but please do not try this at home. Um, Last week I talked about my skunk situation, my fear of that. And I got quite a few memes this week, uh, last week. But today, it, I, I remember as a kid, I, a boy growing up, I, I, I liked fire. Like it was always fascinating to me and what it would do and how it would work. And I liked fireworks and all of that. And, and so somewhere in, in upper elementary, and again, do not try this at home. If you have kids in the room, you may want to close their ears and whatever, send them out for a minute. But, but, but as a kid, I, I, would, I, I began to realize that there were these things like shaving cream, these cans that, uh, that would read instructions like this, caution, contents under pressure, do not incinerate, fire, or puncture. If you burn or puncture a can of shaving cream, the high pressure will cause the can to explode. Now, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I thought that might be pretty cool to see what that looked like and, and how does that work? And quite frankly, I found out that it doesn't just work with shaving cream, but it works with any kind of pressurized can of aerosol. And so the easiest way to do that is nobody wants to take like a, a Phillips screwdriver and try to puncture it. You're too close to it. So if you have a campfire, you could just literally toss it in there and again, the heat will make that can completely explode. Again, do not try this at home. But as a kid, it was like, what happens? You know, famous words of any, of any, famous last words of any redneck. Hey, watch this. It just was like, let's see. And it reminded me this week 
That is really kind of where it feels a bit like we're living right now when it talks about frustration. I mean, it's people that are under intense pressure and stress and really no place else to go. To, you can't go to the gym. You, you, you can't just go watch a movie and check your brains. You can't go to a sporting event. You, you, you can't just go to a restaurant. You, you can't go maybe uh, to, you know, on a trip, but you're just kind of confined. You're kind of stay at home. And so that pressure and that stress, it's, it's like that, that, that can, it's like that aerosol. It's like the... Um, the shaving cream thrown into the fire, the heat and the pressure, a few degrees, and it's going to be exploding. Frustration. It's been a frustrating last couple of weeks for all of us. At some point in time, I'm sure moms have lost their cool. I'm sure people have been frustrated at work. I'm sure people have been frustrated at home. And we all just kind of want to click our heels and be like Dorothy and go home and just get back to normal. But yet we wake up almost like Bill Murray and it's like Groundhog Day. It's like it's another day and we're just doing this again. And the frustration mounts. So what do we do? Well, when you go back to scripture, this is one of the reasons why I love God's word. And let me help you with something and just encourage you. If you're not in God's word, turn off the news, turn off your social media, uh, turn off uh, all these other competing voices and just make sure that every day you're getting in God's word, the SOAP, the scripture observation application prayer, just a couple of chapters every day. Make sure you're feeding your spirit so that you're putting good stuff in there and you get back into God's word and you begin to see people who are real people. These aren't characters that are fictional, but real life people that lived and died and they walked out their faith. Success stories, failures, and sometimes success and failure within the same person. Old Testament gives us a person who dealt with an extreme amount of frustration, pain, grief, stress, like that can thrown into a fire just could completely explode at any point in time. His name was Job. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Job had the, what I would call the worst week ever recorded in scripture. Now, Job was a righteous man. He was a wealthy man and he was a wonderful family man. He, he would be the kind of guy that you would, uh, he would get the citizen of the year award. He, he would be known in his community. He would have a national presence. He, he would be the, you know, the, the philanthropist of the year. I mean, he was just a giver and, and loved his family, loved his wife, his kids, everything. But outside of Job's knowledge, Satan has a conversation with God that goes like this. God, the only reason why Job is serving you is because you've blessed him so much. And if you ever lifted your hand a blessing upon him, if he ever had to deal with fear and frustration and grief and stress and strain and real pain, he would turn his back on you. He would curse you and and, and he, he would not serve you. And God said, no, I know his heart. My servant Job, he is such a pure man and a righteous man. And he loves me from not because of what he has, but, but, but because of his heart, because of who he is and his relationship with me. And so Satan asked God, can I just have an opportunity to test this? And so God allows him to test Job's, basically his love and passion for God by taking away every external thing. And God says, you cannot take his body. You cannot destroy him, but anything else around him, you can take away. And I promise you, he will serve me. Well, 
Job chapter 1, verse 13 through verse 22. I want to read this for you or with you. I'm actually reading it out of the NIV, but I want to take a moment and I want to read this because this depicts the worst week I think ever recorded uh, in, in the Bible, uh, or at least one of the worst weeks. Definitely someone who had a reason to be frustrated, upset, lose his cool, completely explode. Job 1, verse 13. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them and they put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who escaped to tell you, verse 16. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you, verse 17. And while he was speaking, Another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. And they put the servants to the sword. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 18, again, this phrase keeps popping up. And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger comes in or came in and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they are all dead. And I'm the only one escaped to tell you. Verse 20. And at this, Job got up tore his robe, shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. And he said these words, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart for the Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all of this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now, I wanna walk through this passage because I think this best shows, this best models how to deal with frustration when you are dealing with uncertainty, when you're dealing with calamity, when you're dealing with a pandemic like this COVID-19. Again, you may not be physically threatened. Maybe you are. You may not have, have lost everything. Maybe you have. You may have, but Job, this was a very terrible, very bad day, the worst week ever. How does he deal with it? First, be honest about your frustration. Be honest about your frustration. If you're taking notes, I just write that down. Be honest about your frustration. Look at verse 20. Job got up when he heard the news and tore his robe, shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. Now for us in the 21st century, that doesn't mean a whole lot other than did, did he lose his mind? Like, did he just go nuts? Did he just go crazy? No, 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 no. All this is very symbolic in the day and age in which he lived. First of all, he tore his clothes. It was a customary way of expressing immediate grief in the ancient world. The tearing of the cloth is a metaphor for a broken heart or for a torn heart. The shaving of his head, it was a long-term expression of the grief and the pain and the frustration. For every time he felt his head, he was reminded of his grief. But as his hair would grow out, it was a gradual reminder that life goes on and with time, pain lessens. Very interesting. The Bible says he tore his clothes, he shaved his head, he fell down. He didn't fall down out of helplessness. He doesn't fall down out of hopelessness. He doesn't collapse like he's fainting. Instead, he drops to his knees to worship God. See, it's okay to express your frustration. Totally fine. 
Quite frankly, I think it's important that you express your frustration. It's healthy that you find an outlet in which you can express what's externally, what's happening internally. That's what he does. He, he, he does no one any harm. He, he does not himself any harm. He, he doesn't go get drunk. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't go do something crazy. He, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't do anything violent, but it's an outward expression of the pain, the grief, and the frustration. Why? Because he's being honest. Right now in this moment, I've lost everything. In this moment, I am immensely frustrated. In this moment, I feel completely just anger and grief in so many ways. Because if you look at it in today's dollars, what he lost in his livestock and agriculture was around $46 million U.S. money. 46 million bucks in one day. You're talking about frustrating? You're talking about terrible? Losing it all, so to speak? And not only that, he loses his kids. I mean, how many of you know if you got kids, I mean, you can lose money, but your kids, there's, it's priceless. Three daughters, seven sons in a storm. And notice that the person that comes in to tell him blames it on God. They blame all this on, it's like it's an act of God where we know because of the preceding verses, the conversation, that's not of the Lord. It's just he allowed things to happen but it was the work of the enemy. It's kind of like the world that we're living in right now. It's not that God's causing any of this. It's we know that when sin entered the world, that so did sickness, death, and disease. It's a byproduct of sin. So why did God allow it? That's a whole other conversation for another day. But the fact is, it's not that God is causing it. It's not that God is raining down judgment. It's not that God is trying to be punitive. It's not any of that. It's a result of disobedience. It's a result of sin. And as long as there is this earth, as long as we're living on this planet, there'll be sin and sickness and disease. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is such good news that our hope isn't in this world. It's in him and that we don't, that when we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, that we don't have to be frustrated and die in our sins, but yet we can have eternal life. And so we can have life to the full today and forever with Jesus. And if you're watching today and you're far away from God and you go, man, I just feel so frustrated, so overwhelmed with frustration. Can I just help you? Own it. Man, I don't know what to do with it. I would tell you do exactly what Job did. Be honest about what's happening in your heart. Be honest about what's happening inside of you. Drop to your knees, not in helplessness or hopelessness, but cry out to God and give your life to him. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. God, I give you my heart, I give you my life. Be my Lord and be my savior. Honest, brutal honesty. Second thing that Job does is that he acknowledges the gift of God's blessings. He acknowledges the gift of God's blessings. He acknowledged that everything he had was a gift from God. Look at verse 21. He makes this statement, the Lord gave. Not I worked, not I earned, not I, I acquired, not I produced, not this is mine. It, it's all a stewardship the Lord gave. See, some people think that everything good in life is because they've earned it. Some people think that society owes them a living and owes them a good life. Some people think they deserve to have all their needs met. But the Bible, the Bible teaches that every good thing in life is a gift that comes from God. 
Not because of you, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you live in a first world place like the US where we're so blessed, but it's all from him. The book of James, James chapter one, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from the father of the heavenly light, speaking of God, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Remember, even in your frustration, God is the good giver of good gifts. God is the one who opens up the heavens and gives you good and perfect gifts. And even in this world that's ever changing, God is changeless. God never changes. He doesn't change even though the world around you is changing. And even if like the messengers that came to Job that we just read about are blaming God for the calamity and for the, don't listen to that because that's not what God's word says. God's word says that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. That's him. So Job acknowledges, hey, God has given me the life. God has given me the goodness. God has given me the wealth. God has blessed me. But he doesn't stop there. How does he deal with this frustration? Look at the third thing that he does. He accepts that you may not always understand. Accept that you may not always understand. Let me say that one more time. Accept that you may not always understand. Look at verse 21. And the Lord has taken away. The Lord has taken away. There are times where things happen in life that you don't have answers. There are times where it feels like, God has taken something away from you. God has allowed something to be taken away from you. You don't get it. Why would God allow his wealth to be taken away from him? Why would he allow his children to be taken away from him? Why is this? It's a great question. And let me help you with this too. God never is upset about your asking why. Matter of fact, all throughout scripture, all throughout the book of Job, Job asked the question why, but God never answers his question. Very interesting. He never answers her. Verse 38, God begins to speak to Job, but he never gives Job a reason for why, even though Job asks. Instead, God spends the next four chapters reminding Job of his wisdom and of his greatness and his power that's beyond Job's ability to comprehend. If you or I think we deserve an answer to the question, why did this happen? Why is this happening? Then I think our concept of God is way too small. Because this side of eternity, I love how the Apostle Paul says it. It's like looking through stained glass. We see in part and we know in part. And the longer that I serve Jesus and the longer that I live this Christian life, the more questions I have, if I can be honest with you. My faith isn't weakened. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. One of the greatest theological responses I learned in my undergraduate is that when you're asked a theological question that we just don't know the answer to, don't try to make up some crazy answer or some really smart sounding answer. Just own it and go, we don't know. This side of eternity, there are just some things we don't know. There will always be a sense of mystery and awe when it comes to God. There are just some things we don't know why. And you have to accept that life is not always fair, but God is always just. And I'm glad God's not fair. Fairness is that I'm a sinner and <laughs> I deserve death. Justice is that God loved me and gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that if I would just simply believe in Jesus, I would have eternal life. And I don't have to die for my sins because of God's justice, Jesus took my place. He 
justified me. He made me right. Romans chapter 11, verse 33, 34, and 35 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has ever given to God that God should repay him? The reality is, is that we may not always understand or even know the whys. We may not always know or understand and have our questions answered, even though God's not off put by our questions. The fourth thing that Job does to deal with his frustration, offer praise to God. In the middle of his, of his pain, offer praise to God. In the middle of his fear, offer praise to God. In the middle of his frustration, offer praise to God. Look at verse 21. May the name of the Lord be praised. The King James says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Job's wife, totally different. You read chapter two, verse nine, she tells Job to curse God and to die. <laughs> she didn't carry quite the same sentiment that Job did. But Job, no, 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 no. He didn't live by his feelings. He didn't live by his emotions. He lived by his faith. And I'm gonna talk more about that next weekend. And I really hope that you will join with me for that. Because when we're frustrated, that's when we make the choice to live by faith and not by our feelings. We live by faith and not by our emotions. We don't get caught up in the mayhem that's around us because our strength, our hope, our rock, our anchor is in the Lord not in the market, not in the economy, not in the price of oil, not in my job. Think about this for a minute. Your source is God. Your source is not your spouse. Your source is not your kids. Your source is not you. Your source is not your job. Your source is not your money. Your source is not any of these things that you have the ability to compile or to make or to, or, or to kind of negotiate. Your source is the Lord. And he changes not. Your source is in him. And he is so far beyond us. And again, quite frankly, there may be questions that we don't get answers to. That's okay. Because there's a sense of mystery and a sense of awe. But what I do know is that in the middle of all this, in the middle of my frustration, I'm going to do exactly what Job did. I am not going to, or I'm going to do my best not to live by my emotions or by my feelings, but rather I'm going to live in faith. I'm going to trust that God is who the Bible says that he is. I'm going to trust that God is who he says he is, that God will do what he says he's going to do, and that he will be what he says he's going to be in my life. Amen. I'm preaching way better than you're shouting right now. But, but the reality is, it's easy to praise God when everything's wonderful. It's easy to praise God when it's sunny and 75. But when you are quarantined at home, when you are stay at home ordered, when, when, when it looks like that you're going to lose the business, or it looks like that you've just lost a ton of money in the market, doesn't look like it, it really happened. It, it, it looks like that this is happening and that's happening. When all this stuff is going around you, how much time do you say, Lord, thank you? Did you get up today and say, God, thank you that today I have breath. Thank you that I have life. Thank you that in you I live and I move and I have my being. Not in this world, not in my job, not in the market, not in anything that's external. My hope is built on you. My hope is built on you. I'm gonna choose to praise you, not because I feel like it, but because of who you are because you are God. You ever just stop for a moment and just in the middle of your frustration, just praise God, just kind of have a time out and kind of have a,
praise break? That's when it becomes a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, fruit of the lips that confesses his name. What does that mean? In the middle of my frustration, I'm gonna choose to praise the Lord. In the middle of my uncertainty, I'm gonna choose to praise the Lord. In the middle of all my pain and what's going on, I'm just gonna stop for a moment, say, God, I just thank you. And if I can't thank him for anything happening in my life, I'm gonna thank him for his eternal attributes. Thank you that you're God, that you're on the throne, that you love me, that you gave your one and only son, that when this world is over, it doesn't matter how terrible, how bad, or how good, or how great, I'm going to be with you, Lord. Thank you that I have that blessed assurance. Praise. So today, I just wanna recap, and then I wanna pray for you. What do you do when you feel frustrated in the middle of this stay at home season? Be honest about your frustration. Acknowledge the gift of God's blessing in your life. Accept that you may not understand and offer God praise. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the strength that we see in the life of Job. And we know that Job was a good man and a righteous man, but he was just like us. He was flawed. He was humanity. He wasn't perfect, which means if he can do it, we can do it. So help us today and our frustration to give it to you. Help us today to trust in you. Help us today to be honest. Help us today to acknowledge you. Help us today to give some things to you that we may not have the answers to and just go, I don't get this, but I'm just gonna give it to you. In the middle of this day, let us praise you. Thank you, God. As a pastor at Life Church, I thank you for every person that's on the other side of the screen. As a pastor at Life Church, I thank you for their generosity of helping people, their neighbors. God, of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, of inviting someone else to come with them today and just simply to join them in a watch party or, or to, hey, here's a link online. Here's some hope and here's some, here's some help. Here's something that would be a blessing. I pray today. I thank you today for these people. And I pray. God, that you would remind us once again of how good we have it and how blessed we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you today.